morning, everyone. Welcome to today's edition of our AM Minnesota program. I have sitting across from me this morning, at least I think he's kind of semi-across from me, yeah. Dusty Deanst. He's the fire chief. He's the emergency management director. What else are you? Uh, safety, the city of so safety director, because I put on safety training this morning for city employees. Um, yeah, that's that's the main, my main things to do. Uh, so safety for all city employees, what, what sort of things did you touch on? So like this morning we, we uh, trained on or watched videos from the Minnesota Safety Council who we're a uh, member of. Today was lawn mowing, landscaping, safety, and severe weather awareness. So OSHA has topics that certain employees have to be trained on annually, like all city employees, uh, bloodborne pathogens, uh, aware, right to know type topics. Uh, we also cover ergonomics, slips, trips, and falls, respir respiratory protection. There's, there's a lot of, depending on your job, the most intense training, and intense is the wrong word, the more topics that you're exposed to, like in the public works world, chainsaws, um, trying to think of some of the other things. We do fire extinguisher training, um, ladder safety, electrical safety. So there's a lot of different mandated by OSHA things that go on annually for different employees. So I'm in charge of at least offering that and encouraging, if not strongly encouraging employees to get to that. And most of them do pretty good. Uh, you know, Friday today, we had a little bit lighter turnout because it's a Friday and I know I struggle a little bit on doing them on Fridays. Um, but we, we have makeup trainings and uh, some of them are, most of them are video watching, not all of them. Some, we have some hands on like forklift training and bucket truck training. Um, so, yeah, it's safety training, so it's really not exciting and great. But um, for an hour this morning, we went through a few things and make sure they're up on their PPE and their hearing protection. Um, things that we know, Gordy, as we get further along in life that are important that we should have given more attention early on, like hearing protection. Yeah, no question about it. I never wore anything mowing the lawn. What? I see people doing it when they're mowing their yard now, and I'm yep. thinking, I should have probably done that. Yeah, and that's that was a big part of this morning. You know, we we take lawn mowing as just a, something to go do as a headache, but uh, there's plenty. I think I remember from the video that there's 75 people, and that's not a lot across the United States, but 75 people are kill well operating lawnmowers every year. No average. kidding. Yeah. So oh, wow. Um, That's any, quite a few. Yeah. Any any death is. You know, I can't say they're all avoidable because I don't know what's involved and what what killed them. But um, we want to avoid any type of injury, not, all the way up to death, of course. But lawnmowers, we all know, can you know you do it something wrong, you can lose fingers and toes and other things. So we don't want that to happen. So um, we give them some knowledge and give them PPE and encourage them and to wear those. And sometimes accidents are just that, but other times they are something that we could have avoided. Before we go to our market update, the mayor was in studio and was it at this week's council meeting when they approved 
looking into a new fire truck? Yeah, so we, we signed a contract to build a, a new rescue truck or have a new rescue truck built. Um, our rescue truck, we have, we're a busy town and we go on lots of calls and, and we, it would take more than a half hour to go over the dynamics of what truck we use when based on call type and sure. you know, staffing levels. Uh, but our rescue truck is a truck that we use the most, uh, almost every day, if not every day. And, and we go through them. They're big, heavy trucks. There's a lot of stuff on them and they just don't last forever. So we have it in our capital improvement plan, our CIP to replace that this year, uh, knowing that we won't likely see it this year, but we have to get the ball rolling. But just with supply chain. So you chains. have a custom made. Is that what I'm hearing? Yeah. So what what the company, so the company, you might see them when you go north on 35, on the east side of 35 going north by Wyoming, just north of the cities, you likely see a bunch of fire trucks sitting out or they made their their name. The Rosenbauer is the name of the company. They made their name in air, airport fire rigs. They actually had one on one of the Transformer movies that they built for the movie. Uh, but that's where we get our a lot of our trucks made, not all of them. So it's right here in Minnesota. It's close by for warranty stuff. Um, so that will, they'll get a chassis. So the chassis are made by somebody, International or Freightliner or some of these different, and they, they get brought in there and then they build the box on the back of it to our specs, like the, the size of the water tank, the pump we want, the cabinets we want. And it, so it's a it's a year-long process just to build the box typically. And we've had another truck on order. It's a Ford chassis or a, a we went with Ford, but it could have been some other Ford Dodge Chevy. We ordered that in 21. Of course, we all know, that, and we still don't have a chassis. So... That truck was supposed to be replaced this year. We started a little bit early knowing that there was supply chain issues and we still don't even have a chassis for that truck. So we're wow. falling behind a little bit. Like those of you that are trying to get a vehicle for whatever reason, all understand. So the rescue truck is the one that was approved earlier this week and the one in 2021 is... That was, a, that was approved, but it's just pending, you know, getting a VIN on a chassis from... Ford, and then when the chassis is built, then we have to take that to a a fire truck builder. So drive the chassis to this place, and then they build the box on there. So that one's likely a year out from when we get a chassis. Also, so my guess is the old rescue truck goes on the auction block. Yeah, so there are used. There's a pretty good market. Obviously, I think it's probably a better market even now, being that it's so hard to get a new one. That we. We use, I think they're out of Colorado, Brindley Mountain, I think is the name. But you can, it's an online thing. We've sent them to, we had a person fly in from Canada that bought one before. Uh, one of them went to South Dakota. So they, some, we've had them close as Nearstrand getting our old trucks. So they go wherever the need is and somebody wants to pay for them. Sure. We're going to talk more with Dusty. I definitely want to touch on LED fixtures because the, Wyndham's fire, the cause was determined to be uh, improper fitting, right? Improper lamp in the fixture, yep. Yeah. So we're going to talk about that when AM Minnesota continues. But right now, if I don't do our opening market report, Jerry will have my hide. Keller Insurance Agency Nearstrand helps protect all things important to you. 
Three Links Senior Living, creating peace of mind in your loved one's journey in Lonsdale and Northfield. And Insulation Services, Inc., contact Nate. Discover all the advantages of spray foam or blow-in insulation. His number is 507-993-4570. Soybeans are higher. Corn is mixed. Live cattle and hogs are mostly higher. Hello, I'm Megan Grebner with your commodity market update. For elite genetics paired with simple, flexible, and effective weed control plants, sign and list D3 soybeans. Sign as yield. Yield plus advantage. Learn more at signseed.com. Soybeans are higher on follow-through buying. The Buenos Aires Exchange reports the soybean crop is deteriorating in Argentina further, and crop conditions have been lowered to just 2% rated good to excellent. Soybeans are also supported by strong crush margins and higher moves in the soybean meal market. March beans up nine and a half at fifteen twenty nine and a quarter. May beans up five and three quarters at fifteen fifteen. Corn is mixed, adjusting spreads. Corn is becoming more competitive on the global market, but sales are still running well behind year ago levels. While Argentina's corn crop continues to decline, planting of second crop corn in Brazil is ongoing, and weather conditions have been favorable. March corn up four and a quarter at six forty two. May corn up three and a half at six thirty seven and a quarter. The wheat complex is mixed while rains miss the driest parts of the southwestern plains. More precipitation is in the forecast. Wheat is also watching what happens in the coming weeks as the Black Sea Grain Initiative comes up for renewal. In Chicago, March wheat down four and a half at six ninety six and three quarters. May wheat down one and three quarters at seven eleven. In Kansas City, March wheat up a nickel at eight thirty seven and a quarter. And in Minneapolis. March wheat up 12 and three quarters at 871. Live and feeder cattle are higher, waiting for direct cash business to develop. Asking prices are at $166 plus live and $265 dressed. April lives are up 45 at 164.55. June lives up 60 at 160.05. April feeders up 162 at 195.47. Hogs are mostly higher, supported by what appears to be an uptick in demand. April lean hogs up 55 at 84.40. May lean hogs up 47 at 93.35. I'm Megan Grebner, Brownfield Agnew. AM Minnesota on the Mighty 920 KDHL. They're already done with the markets. Can you believe that? Uh, we're a service of Werner Farm Seed Dundas. Quality seed, reasonable prices. Give Paul or Gina a call at 507-645-7995. The Rice County Fair, July 19th through the 23rd. They salute all farmers. Now where the city meets the farm. Northland Buildings for quality post-frame construction. Head to Northland Buildings. Dot com. They brought you our opening market report. We have Dustin Deanst. He is the fire chief here in the city of Faribault, emergency management director. I was just uh, talking to someone the other day about our severe weather awareness show, which will probably get underway, uh, I'm guessing, uh, what is it, mid-April is usually the emergency management week, severe weather awareness week, whatever it's called. Yep, that'll be our next our next time we talk, and it's hard to believe that looking outdoors, even this morning at our safety training, <laughs> we talked about severe weather awareness because I didn't want to wait. Like last year, I waited till April while we had some severe weather. And it's the end March. of March when the big one hit St. Peter. Yep. So I'm thinking, you know, it doesn't do a lot of good to train people on something after it happens. So it was a little early because even with the lawn mowing that I coupled with that, I said, well, you know, it's not... We got a foot of snow out there, so we're not mowing the lawn anytime soon. But it, things have changed pretty fast from the beginning to the end of this month. And severe weather 
that doesn't involve snow with any, well, not luck, because we don't want it, but it, is, it could happen. It, happen. it has happened in the past, and, you know, our weather pattern here has been fairly stormy and a lot of precip, which means if that continues as it warms up, it's going to change in its pattern, or not in its pattern, in its form. It won't be blizzards and snowstorms. It could be severe thunderstorms. So. Yeah, and last spring, you might recall, we had a fairly healthy storm season i had to replace the roof on my garage and my house because of hail damage yeah and i hope that mother nature gives us a mulligan this year on on that we don't want any of that but you know we can wish in one hand so we we have to be prepared for it we can't control it stop it we can just be ready for it and know what to do if and when it happens and we'll go over some of that information next month Main thing we wanted to talk about today, Dusty, the Wyndham Resort fire. Determined cause was the LED had an you had an improper fixture in a in the ballast, right? Yes, yeah, so we had an improper lamp in in the fixture. So to not get too technical, and for those that understand this a little bit, they'll they'll know and already know what I'm talking about. But like in in this studio we have fluorescent fixtures well these are probably led because they're yes, new they are. yep absolutely. so prior to this they were they were fluorescent fixtures and yep. they have four foot tubes in them or lamps tubes they're they're driven they're operated by a ballast so yep. fluorescent is operated by a ballast they sit in the ballast yeah yep so the ballast is up in there and the ballast transforms the voltage to to be more Efficient, so jacks up the voltage, which means lower amperage, and that's why fluorescents were or are more efficient than a screw-in incandescent bulb. But so, with the advent of LEDs coming along, to it, it, this is kind of double-edged sword, and it's even more efficient. They're even more efficient. But what they did in the manufacturing end is say, okay, we have a lot of these drop-in fixtures that are in two by four drop ceilings, all these strip lights in garages. Let's make LED tubes that are that you can retrofit into existing fixtures. The problem that that caused out at Windjums was here's a lamp, a tube that will fit into this fixture and unbeknownst to the person that did that, you can't you can you can't just put it in there. They did, whoever that was, it was an honest mistake. So the ballast is running and doing its thing. And then in line with that ballast, trying to paint a picture, in line with that ballast is also an LED that changes things around also, creates resistance and does all these things to make LEDs work. Well, they're never meant to work together. And they were working together in this situation, which caused heating, which then most fluorescent fixtures have a plastic lens on them. So the heating in the fixture of the lamp then gets comes in contact with the plastic lens, which we know is a form of solid petroleum product. It's plastic. So that gets hot, and then that drops down onto things below that, unfortunately, in this case, in the kitchen, there's a lot of stuff that wouldn't, catch fire, you know, stainless steel, a, a stove, an oven, or, but unfortunately, right under this one fixture, there was a 
covered shelving covered with a blanket to keep the dishes from getting dust settling on them over the winter when they were closed. Of course, that blanket is flammable and this drops onto there and then that catches on fire. So it kind of steamrolls from there. So it was a, a, a handful of things that had to happen for this to go down. Now, thankfully, it was in the kitchen with a tile floor and a, not a lot of flammable stuff around it. So the fire was was out when Pam called me at about 10.30 the next morning uh, and said, hey, I had a fire in here last night. When we went out, there's no smoke. Yeah, it smelled, but your eyes didn't burn. I mean, the fire went out on its own. It ran out of stuff to burn. So it was a it was accumulation of a lot of things that you almost couldn't set up to make happen, but we <laughs> see that sometimes and it, and it happened. And it is very unfortunate because it's it's put a they were getting ready to open for March first. That's what they were starting to do in there when this now, happened. I know you're an electrician, but did you know about this before this fire about yes. the retrofitting issue? Yes, and unfortunately or fortunately, I guess when it didn't change anything. But when I went in there and started looking at it and looking around, being with the years I have on the fire department and knowing the normal causes of fire. Uh, as soon as I saw that LED lamp, it, part of it had survived the fire. It was sticking out from underneath the stuff, and even the driver portion of that LED lamp was sticking out. It's like, uh-oh, I got uh, my first red flag. Uh, because there are LED lamps, and this is going to start to confuse people, so the point will be talk to an electrician or somebody that knows before you just go put in a tube into a fixture. Uh, but there are LED lamps that you can buy that a ballast will run. And you just put them up in there and, and screw them and twist them in there. They don't have a driver on them. The ones that were purchased that was used at Windjums had a driver on there. So that means the ballast was supposed to be removed from the the wiring circuit. Uh, so is is a good thing going to LEDs? And surprisingly, talking with both the insurance company hired investigator and the state fire marshal that we haven't seen a lot of these because LEDs have been around for a while. And yeah. this, this situation, well, even when, when we remodeled the fire station in 2016, we, we retrofitted our existing fluorescence into LEDs. So this has been around a good 10 years uh, and we haven't seen a lot of this. So either people understand or it's a slow process of changing over. I also don't think we have a lot of fluorescent tubed fixtures in homes where people maybe don't have the knowledge about this. A lot of them are in businesses and um, commercial and industrial areas that have electricians or maintenance people that are in the know that, you know, that has wiring has to be done on this fixture before we switch over to LED. So that might be one of the reasons why we haven't seen this a lot, but um, it, it's, once I saw that, I, it was like a, pardon the pun, a light bulb coming on in my head. It's like, oh, we got to get the word out on this because we don't want to have this happen. As a matter of fact, while I was investigating more into this fire down Windjum's kitchen, there's eight or 10 more fixtures that are in there. And, and I, asked, uh, one of, I asked one of them to remove all those lenses so I could walk down the kitchen and you can physically see from the floor if it has a driver. I said, well, let's make sure no more of these got put in uh, so that we don't 
make this even worse than it is right now. And, and unfortunately, or fortunately, they this is only happened in one fixture. Just happened to be out of all the fixtures, the the one that could have made this as bad as it is. And the state fire marshal said that they haven't seen a lot of this either. They haven't seen a lot of it. They have. They've they've seen a little bit of it, but not to this level because a lot of times these fixtures. Nowadays, either have a motion sensor on them or are on when people are around. So in this case, we believe that the lights got left on and this happened overnight. Ah. So this can only happen when it's the fixture is on, when there's electricity going to it. makes sense. Had that happened when there was people around, they'd have likely seen some smoke or smelled something and took care of it and, you know, no big deal. So, again, it goes back to a lot of things had to line up for this to get to the level that it did. Again, thankfully... It didn't fall onto a wood floor or some other type of floor that could catch fire because, unfortunately, if this did happen overnight, it likely would have been a way more damage because it probably would have been somebody seeing flames coming out of the building before we knew what was going on. LED is supposed to be a cooler fixture, right? Yeah, and that's re that really is the essence of the efficiency of them is... is in, a, in the electrical world, there's a lot of wasted, a lot of lost energy in the heating up of stuff. So that little light bulb that you screw in, that's 60 water, that's all based on a lot of resistance through a small little wire that glows because it's really, really hot. And so there's some inefficiency there. The coolness of fluorescence, because even a fluorescent one has been on for a while, you can go up and grab and no big deal. The same with LEDs. So that is one of the, one of the main reasons that they are efficient. But it? bottom line here is, folks, if you've got LED lights, you want to check out, make sure they're in the proper. If you have fluorescent and you want to go to LED, you have to do a little research on that by either looking at, on the internet and reading about it or asking somebody. Now, I, I don't want to scare, I kind of want to scare people, but not to a level where they're scared and they don't put they don't go to LED or they don't put a light bulb in, in your fixture. We're only, we're really only talking. Well, you, you just don't put it in with the, where the old fluorescent was, unless of course. One of the nuances of right now is in the, you and I growing up, you only had one choice. You grab the, you, you screwed the bulb in. Okay. And then fluorescence came along and there wasn't a retrofit between putting a, well, I take that back. There, there was a retrofit by putting a fluorescent bulb, a little curly Q, in a fixture, but you screwed it in. So there was no, the dynamics of having a fluorescent have a problem in an incandescent, incandescent fixture didn't exist. It's just now where the technology is that a fluorescent ballast runs a fluorescent and a driver runs an LED. They, they're very similar but they can't be together. So this is new to us. Back in the day, you just go buy a light bulb and screw it in. And I believe, I, I haven't, I've thought about this a little bit and I can't come up with a, a situation other than the four foot tubes that, that go into the fluorescent fixtures. If you're just screwing a light bulb into a fixture, whether it's LED or not, the only thing you really have to pay attention to is the wattage of that bulb that you're screwing in there. So you can spin in a fluorescent, you can spin in an LED, or you can spin in an incandescent. But with all of them, you you 
can't put in too big of one because that's where the problem comes in. We've all seen the fixture, no more than a 60 watt bulb or don't, it's usually in an enclosed fixture because like a hundred watt bulb puts out a lot of heat. And if you put that in an enclosed fixture, now you maybe not so much a fire hazard, but you wear out the bulb sooner and it could be a fire hazard because they get really hot, but I've not seen that be a huge issue. So it's really based on the four foot tubes that go into fluorescent fixtures that we have to really pay attention to. Dusty Deanst is the fire chief. He's with us. We talked about the new truck that's going to be custom made for the city of Faribault. And you've had this old or the current truck for a decade, you were saying, right? Roughly. Yeah, about I believe. A I, I'm trying to remember if that's an 08 or a, so it's, it's 10 to 12 years going on 10 to 12 years, I believe. So have you uh, seen, so I'm sure there's been some activity in those years that made you rethink of how you're going to organize this new truck. So, yeah, we, we put a plan in place uh, about four or five years ago on how we were going to transform our response with the advent of new technology to pair up better with our staffing model and not wearing out this truck. So this truck, I'd have to, I'd have to count in my head quickly and I don't want to mess it up, but this rescue truck is the one that we re replace the most because this is the truck that can both, we both take to a medical, but also can put out a structure fire. So it's the, the do all truck, which means it gets used a lot. We would like it to last longer because it's a bigger truck and it's an expensive truck. Some new technology has come out that we're going to utilize when we get the truck that we ordered in 21 that we still haven't got a chassis for to allow us to not have to use this rescue truck as intensely and make it last longer because it's an expensive truck. The smaller four-wheel drive, it's on a, a Ford, Chevy, or normal passenger truck type chassis, heavy duty, is, is going to allow us to use... When we get that truck, it's going to allow us to use that truck more. It's a cheaper truck. We'll wear it out quicker, but it's a lot less expensive, which will allow our more expensive truck to last longer. That's the theory. I think it's a pretty solid theory. We, we can't really say 100% until we actually see that happen because I'm, you know, plan A, it looks good on paper thing. Uh, but because of the ability to get chassis, the ability to get trucks, I mean, we're, we're way behind. We're, we're one truck behind. Uh, even before COVID, it would take a year to build a fire truck. That had nothing to do with building chassis. So now we've been waiting over over two years on a chassis. And then once we get the chassis, then it's a year to build a fire truck. So um, we didn't see this coming, just like the whole world didn't. But now we're trying to make up for it and catch back up. And this new truck, the rescue truck, I think the mayor said the price tag was over $800,000. Most that we've spent on a fire truck in my career. And that's likely any of these big trucks going forward, we're going to say that for everyone going forward because they're not getting any cheaper, of course. But there's exponentially changed. Like I, I, if I remember right, the, the truck that it's replacing is a $400,000 truck or thereabouts. Um, so it's all but doubled. And... There's many reasons for that, uh, not just one, not just not just COVID, and we can blame that on, but you know that's a big part of it. Things have really increased, 
in every aspect of our life. And you get into numbers like that, the percentage increase can be a low percentage, but it's a big number. But as you said, that truck gets used a lot. It gets used a lot. And we would like to see it last 20 years. So if you do the math out over 20 years, it, may, it makes you feel a little bit better. Unfortunately, like all of us buy a car, it's, it's an impact like right now when we pay for it. Uh, after we have it and, and in 10 or 15 years, that impact doesn't feel, doesn't hurt so bad. But on that first year or when you're writing out that check, yeah, you shake a little bit. But yeah, it, it we would like to see that truck last 20 years. We haven't had a rescue truck last 20 years for my entire career. This is like, I think this is my one, two, this is my third or fourth rescue truck since I've been there and I've been there for 29 years. So in my math, that's nowhere near 20 years for that truck. And you always buy them new. We always buy them new. Yeah. They don't get used ones. Well, we've got a little less than a minute, Dusty. Any final thoughts on anything that you'd like to get the word out on? I've seen a few hydrants that haven't been taken care of, and Me Mother too. Nature is helping us out with that, but there's still some that are buried. Um, of course, we know right now the ones that are buried, there's a little bit of a crust on the snow, so I would ask again to maybe open them up a little bit. The ones that have been opened up, Mother Nature has added to your your hard work of shoveling those out and have made a nice big opening because it's melted around that and that draws some sunlight and it gets warm. So uh, if you get, it's going to be a nice weekend. You need a reason to get outside, go take a couple minutes and clear those hydrants. I love that. Awesome. Thanks for that. Appreciate Thank you. it. Very much, Dusty. I can't even remember what we got. <laughs> 